0: God, set us free from ourselves that we may learn to praise you. Amen. I have a riddle for you. A man and his son were in a terrible car accident, and they were rushed to the hospital. The man died on the way, but the son was still alive. When they arrived, a gray-haired surgeon was called in to operate. But upon seeing the boy, the surgeon said, I can't perform this operation. This is my son. How is this possible? Yes, the doctor's a woman. I have another one for you. A nurse assisted with the delivery of a child in the maternity unit, and after the child was born, the nurse claimed they had naming rights for the baby. How is this possible? It's the father, yes. What makes the riddles difficult to solve for us is a conditioned gender bias in our thinking, right? If you're among those who guess rightly that the surgeon was a woman, you are among a shockingly small percentage of people who are capable of thinking outside societal gender stereotypes, as numerous studies reveal. And as the nurse riddle proves, gender stereotypes work both ways, right? They have an effect on women and men, on every human being, because they hinder not only our thinking, but our imaginations. They narrow our minds about what is possible, about what is true, about what is right, and worse, they narrow our realities, This is especially true for women, and it's why two-thirds of the world's illiterate population are female. Why 60 to 65 million girls are not in school worldwide. Why women are 43% of the agricultural labor force globally, and yet they control significantly less resources and land than men. Why child marriages, those up to age 15, are still in the millions, and why one in seven of these child brides has given birth by age 17, not only risking her own health, but the health of infants that are born into the cycle that denigrates women because of their gender and their gender alone. And if you think our wealthy, evolved society here in the Western world has done any better, then you are sadly and dangerously mistaken. I'm sure you remember the Super Bowl last February, but do you remember the sex trafficking raid around it also? The number of young women forced into trafficking in this country alone is staggering. Worse if you are a woman of color or if you speak a language other than English. Grooming for this begins much younger, of course, for both men and women, where men are taught entitlement and control over women's bodies, reinforcing violence as an acceptable norm. And women are taught their worth through sexualized and demeaning advertising, social media, and even through the classroom. Countless studies have shown that teachers who are not taught to examine their own gender bias will spend up to two-thirds of their time talking to male students who are more frequently called to the front of class for demonstrations who are looked to first when teachers ask open-ended questions. Teachers are more likely to interrupt girls when they ask a question but will allow boys to talk over them. They spend more time prompting boys to seek deeper answers while rewarding girls for being quiet. In U.S. classrooms, the results of these studies are most notable in the areas of math and science, while at the same time, and isn't this interesting, those biases implicated teachers unconsciously undermining boys' interest in the arts and language and undermining their ability for self-regulation, don't we say, boys will be boys? And reinforcing a gender bias for them that studying is for girls, all factors contributing to lower academic performance for boys. You add in the social constructs for masculinity that we perpetually reinforce on every level. And you raise generations of young men who do not know how to manage their emotions, self-regulate their anger, or work hard for a promotion because it's going to be given to them over their female co-worker, no doubt. And you've raised generations of men who see women not as equals, not as skilled or knowledgeable, and not even as human beings." You see, it's not just women who are crippled by the gender bias of women. It is everyone. I'm going to end my tirade there, because I could go on for hours. And friends, yes, it's partly because I am a female in a profession that still fights gender bias stereotypes daily, but it's also because I'm the mother of a young girl who is growing up in this environment, and because I was trained first to be a teacher and reflect on these things. And because I'm entrusted now with the responsibility of raising a holistic son in a socially gender-class and culturally biased society. And also because I read the Bible and take it seriously. What I mean is sometimes we think of the Bible as this distant, outdated, long-ago, irrelevant piece of literature to our modern, post-industrialized, evolved ears. But the fact of the matter is nothing could be further from the truth. Just look at our gospel reading. Here's a bunch of men standing around discussing and making decisions about a woman's health and well-being. Decisions about her body. Well, shoot, that sounds like a screenshot straight out of 2017 now, doesn't it? And listen to this. There is a woman here who is bent over, crippled by a spirit, for 18 long years. For 18 years, she's been coming to the synagogue. She's been walking around town. And it's like Jesus is the first person to ever see her. All those male religious leaders, those elite men who attended synagogue regularly, heck, even the other women never saw her. It's like they were taught not to see her. And then when they're forced to see her, because Jesus sees her, and Jesus won't let well enough alone, we've learned that at this point in Luke's gospel, when those other people are forced to see her, they're like, well, she's not as important as the cattle on the Sabbath that we have to give water to or they'll dehydrate, so, you know, we thought it could wait. She's not as important as the cattle. Come back another day. That's basically what they say. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, beating them up because they're Jews and they need Jesus to tell them what's right and what to believe and whom to vote for. Oh, wait, I'm getting caught up in the latest news cycle. That's not it, because that is not what Jesus is about. Jesus doesn't give anyone the right to tell another religion what they should be thinking or doing and never has. So for the record, no one else should either. What's going on here is just an internal argument about how to interpret Scripture, how to keep the law because they want to respect it. We do it all the time. The question here really is, do we give greater emphasis to Exodus, where the Sabbath is tied to creation and rest? Or do we give priority to Deuteronomy, where it is tied to remembering that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, that you were liberated and freed, and the oppressed were granted those things? Jesus picks sign, which after last week's scripture about division and fire should not surprise you. He picks a side, and that is the side of the liberation of the oppressed. It is the side of freedom. Spoiler alert, that is always the side that Jesus picks. What does Jesus say to the woman who is bent over now? Does he say, you are healed? Take up your mat and walk? No, he says, be set free. And then, because the Bible's so relevant, it's like looking in the mirror, he names what everyone there missed, because they are victims of the same systems of gender bias. He says to the people who never saw her, to the people who saw her as less than an animal, to the people who saw her condition as unworthy of God's mercy on the Sabbath, he says, this daughter of Abraham... Oh, I love it when these texts come together now, people. You recall a few weeks ago, we heard about God promising Abraham that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars, right? Abraham and Sarah, the parents of many nations, God's chosen people, and this lower-than-cattle woman from bent from the weight of the world, from the weight of illness, from the weight of oppression, the weight of inequality and inhumanity and injustice. Jesus says, you... Are a daughter of Abraham, be set free. You know what happens that day that Jesus sets this one woman free? He sets them all free. Because that's what happens when you empower women in communities. He sets free the leaders of the religious establishment who are bent over and don't even know it by a system that benefits only the elite and ignores the poor and the marginalized. Jesus sets free the institution itself that's all bent out of shape too caught up in self-preservation, to care about who God cares about. Jesus sets free the men and the women in the synagogue that day, the ones who are bent over, twisted by expectations and contorted by ongoing exploitation, so much so that they can't even see the people right in front of them. And you know how I know that? Because when you liberate those who are oppressed, it breaks the bondage of the oppressor. It breaks the cycle of victimization and exploitation. It removes the yoke that is among them, as Isaiah says in our first reading. And it releases all who are bent over by a system of oppression. It changes the power dynamic. It lifts up the lowly and brings down the mighty from their thrones. Boy, that sounds familiar. Wait, wasn't that a woman's song? Just take girls' education, for example. The education of women all over the world benefits not only the women themselves. It impacts birth and death rates of infants. It impacts economic stability and the health and well-being of whole villages and communities. What happens when one girl goes to primary school and then continues on to secondary school is dramatic, It has a snowball effect on so many other areas of social, economic, and physical well-being, not only for she herself, but for all those around her. That's why organizations like our church and the ELCA and its partner Lutheran World Relief invest in the future of girls and women around the world. That is why we do things here at Grace, like collect items for school kits, because when those school kits arrive in Senegal and Pakistan, it will change the course of history for the girls. It will reduce her chances of child marriage, it will reduce her chance of being sold into a trafficking ring, it will increase her economic opportunities, and it will lift up her whole family, her whole village. All who are crippled by an unjust system and help to shape a new world. You know, to some people, that sounds like the church is making some sort of political move, backing policies that support women and girls' health and education all around the world. But to others who have met the God of the scriptures, who have met Jesus, it sounds like truly religious work. To be specific, it sounds like Sabbath work, liberating the oppressed and unbending the backs of every person under heaven who is crippled by some evil in this world be it the system of economic oppression and gender inequality that keeps girls from going to school, or be it the voice of society, which has become the voice in your own head that tells you that you are not worthy enough or perfect enough or strong enough or smart enough or the right gender enough or the right race enough or the right whatever enough, and it cripples you. To that, God has taught the church to say, You Are a child of Abraham. Be set free. The church is called to this work. Chiefly through the cross of Christ. Which if it means anything my friends. It means freedom for the oppressed. It means setting free those who are in bondage to sin and suffering. It means communally unbending the backs of all who are bent over. And Here's the important part for us to hear, I think. We who are part of one of the wealthiest and most powerful nations the world has ever seen, the cross means God will unbend us for this freedom to come about. It means that God will have to straighten us up to change our thinking and our imaginations and truly to change reality, both for us and for those of our neighbor. Admittedly, that might be a painful process to be straightened up after all those years contorted and twisted and turned in on ourselves. But when that day dawns, my friends, may we remember this story and respond to our own straightening up just like the woman did. And praise God for what it means for the world. Amen.